Today we are concluding our series, Living in Babylon. Um, Next week we have Gather to Go with us again. And then we've got one more week uh, before I head off for a couple weeks vacation and just uh, felt like this is where we need to land the plane. So we're going to do that. Um, these, uh, uh, some, of you, some of you might not like what I have to say today. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. Because um, what we're talking about today, um, residents of Canada, citizens of heaven, living as exiles in our nation. Do we obey the government or not? That's the big question today. And um, I don't, I don't, I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation with you about this. But in some senses, I don't care what your opinion is, or my opinion is, or anyone else's opinion is. I care what this book says right um and i want my opinion to conform to scripture not push my opinion into scripture and so like i said some of you may not like me after this morning but you know what i'm I would love, if you, have a, if you have another perspective, I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with you about it. But I want to do my best this morning to preach this subject from God's Word. So, little little recap of where we've been over the last, uh, the last three weeks. This is the fourth week in this series. Um, week number one, we said our story... As followers of Jesus, our story, the story of the Bible, is a story of exile. Story of living in a world where we don't belong. And that has been the story of God's people from the very beginning. Week two was called Rooted in Christ. And we said that to live as followers of Jesus in this world, we have to have our lives rooted in Him and not rooted in the culture. He needs to be our source. He needs to be what we're built on. We need to not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we think biblically, not culturally. And week three, last week, we looked at how we actually do that. How do we live in a godless culture as godly people? How do we do that, right? Um, how do we navigate being godly people in an ungodly culture? And we looked at it through the lens of Daniel and his three friends in Daniel chapter 1. So today, residents of Canada, citizens of heaven. Um, scripture tells us that, that we live in an awkward position as followers of Jesus. You and I live awkwardly in this world. We said last week, I, told, I think I said last week that 
1 Peter chapter 2 calls us peculiar people. You are peculiar. I am peculiar. The world sees us as... You didn't have to say yep so quickly there. Um, the world sees us as strange because we don't fit in. We have one foot in this world. We do live in this world. We have to... You know, all of us... My... my my driver's license expires on Wednesday. I have to get downtown and get my driver's license renewed by Wednesday because I live in this world. And I can't say, well, I'm a citizen of heaven. You, don't, you, don't have to tell, you can't tell me to renew my license. No, I, I live in this world. There are things I have to do. I have to, have to make money and buy groceries. and There are things that I have to do to live in this world. Um, Philippians 3, verse 17 to 21 says this, for Paul writes to the Philippians, for as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. In other words, the things that they desire and want to fill their lives. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. The things they should be ashamed of, they're actually proud of. Right? Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So He's going to come. And rescue us out of this world. But until He does, we live in this world. Right? But we are citizens of heaven. Um, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is a great chapter. It talks about all these people of faith throughout history. And, 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 uh, and it says here, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. That's part of the awkwardness of living in this world for Jesus is as long as we're still in this life, we will not see the fulfillment of all the things that we, that we are believing for. We'll see some of the things, but not all of the things. Right? Make sense? Um, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country a heavenly one i love canada but i'm longing for a better country right one that i'm not necessarily going to see on this side of heaven but i'm longing my heart longs our hearts as followers of jesus ache and long for a better country right um so <clears throat> Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Hallelujah. So, we live in this world 
But we're not from this world. We're not, that's not our home. It's not where our citizenship lies. So it's awkward. So what do we do with government while we're living in this world? Do, again, do we say, well, you can't tell me what to do because my citizenship isn't from Canada. It's from heaven, right? And there are people who say that and there are people that, that think that way but I want to share with you today that I think the Bible does not say that for us. So, the role of government. Romans 13, verses 1 to 5, says this. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. So Paul's saying, don't just obey the authorities because you're going to get in trouble. It's actually the right thing to do. That's what he's saying. Paul is writing this to the church in Rome. This passage is found in Romans Chapter 13 writes to the church in Rome. In the New Testament writings, Rome is the new Babylon. We don't have time to do a deep dive on that today, but Rome is the new Babylon. Revelations talks about it. It's all through Scripture uh, in the New Testament. Rome is the new Babylon. So Paul is writing to Christians who are in the very belly of the beast, so to speak. Right? They are in Rome, the capital city of the Roman Empire. And he's writing to them and saying, obey the emperor. Now that's, that almost seems crazy. Right? Um, Paul and Peter, who we're going to read from in a few moments... Both of them told their readers to obey the emperor even though these, both of these men were personally condemned to death by the emperor for failing to comply with an order that he gave them to renounce Jesus as Lord and declare Caesar as Lord. The emperor as Lord. So... Navigating how we deal with government can be found in the tension in these men's lives. 
they're saying, obey the government. But their lives ended because they didn't ultimately obey the government in one specific area. When the government said, renounce your faith in Jesus. Right? And so we need to take truth from both of these realities. It's not, it wasn't a situation of Paul and Peter going, do as I say, don't do as I do. Right? Like sometimes we can get caught in that hypocrisy, telling someone else to do something and we're doing the opposite. That's not what this is. They actually, most of their lives, did what they said and obeyed the emperor. But when it came to this moment of choosing allegiance to the emperor or allegiance to Jesus, they had a choice to make, right? But you might say, right, when, when we hear the scripture read, obey the government, obey the authorities, you might say, and many Christians do, but the government is godless. And I would say, of course it is. Of course it is. It's like saying that those non-Christians behave like non-Christians. Right? Shock. Of course they do. Of course the government is godless. And godlessness and corruption in the government of Canada does not come anywhere close to the corruption and the godlessness of the emperor and his government. And yet, Paul doesn't give us that escape hatch to say, I don't have to obey the government because the government is godless. He doesn't give us that chance. He says, of course the government is godless but obey the government. The whole system of this world, we've talked about this through, through this series, the whole system of this world is broken and held in captivity by the God of this age who is a demon God called Satan. And before we say... Well, we just need to vote the right people into government and then the government will be good. We tried that. Remember in, in, in our first message in this series, we talked about Christendom, 1,700 years of church history after Constantine in 313 that, that said... Christianity was legal in the Roman Empire and then from that point forward the, the, the church and the government were so closely tied together it was sometimes hard to tell them apart. Remember we talked about that? And all of the things that have come out of that like the Crusades and residential schools and yes, I know there were other things. There were really good things that happened in that time, but almost none of them by the government. It was by the people of God who rose up and did what the people of God are meant to do. 
I don't care who you vote in, the system will always be corrupt. Because until Jesus comes to renew all things, the, the world will still be ruled by a demon God who will corrupt even people who have every good intent with power. And it's happened over and over and over again in history. Why are we thinking it'll be different this time? But in the midst of that, the, our God, who is God over the God of this age. Can anybody say hallelujah about that? The, our God who is God over the God of this age, still, as Scripture says, um, He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises others up. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. It is God who raises up human authority for the purpose in this world of restraining vice, restraining evil. The scripture we read from Romans says, they are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. The government is in place to restrain evil, to restrain wrongdoing. You see, part of the problem is we are looking for the government to promote virtue and that is not their God-given role. Their role is to restrain vice. Our job, the job of the church of Jesus Christ is to promote virtue. God put us in this world to be the light and the salt. The government is not the light and the salt of the world. We are. You are. The church is. Followers of Jesus are. And if, if the world is rotten, it's not because the government isn't doing their job, it's because the church isn't doing its job. Because the light isn't shining as brightly as it's meant to shine. And salt has lost its saltiness because it's become too close to the culture. And it's not being a, a preservative or a change agent in the culture. It's not by being in power that we will change the world. It's by being the light. By being and doing good. Jesus said in Matthew 5.16, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. There is a place for those who have the calling to, to be Christians who run for office and to go into government. There's a place for that, for sure. There's a place for people to go and be the light in that setting. But to think that by doing that and grabbing political power, we can now change everything, 
That's not the way it works. Obeying authority is about you, not about them. What do I mean by that? Well, let's go on and read verses 6 and 7 in Romans 13. You're going to love this. Paul says, This is also why you pay taxes. Everybody say, Yahoo! (laughs) This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Obeying the government is not about them. It's about you. you here's, here's good news. You don't ever have to answer for the government. You never have to stand before God and say, and, and give an answer for how the government governed. Isn't that good? You do have to stand before God and give an account as to how you obeyed. You have to answer for you. They will answer for them, and they will. Every government that's ever ruled in any country in history in this world will answer for how they governed the people that God entrusted to their care. Yeah. There will be a reckoning, folks. There will be a reckoning. But we will also give an account for how we responded to the authorities that God has put in our lives. God's kingdom is a kingdom of honor. One of the things I think this passage says is if honor goes up, blessing comes down. If dishonor goes up, judgment comes down. The passage we read says whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. I didn't make it up, folks. It's in the, it's in the Scripture. It's right there. Again, I may not even like what I'm preaching, but the reality is I don't want my opinion. I want the Word of God. Let's go to Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. Just in case you think Paul like was eating some funny mushrooms and wrote some funny stuff in his, in his uh, letter that day. Let's go to Peter. Get a second witness. Second Pe- 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. There's those words again. We're living in this world as foreigners and exiles. 
to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. That's pretty clear. Whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who, sent, who were sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people do, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Pretty clear. And so Peter here says, for the sake of Christ, for the Lord's sake, honor every human authority. And then he goes on in the rest of his letter. Again, won't take time to dig into it today, but I'm, I'll summarize for you. You can look it up later if you don't believe me. Um, but here, here he talks about government authority. And then further down in chapter 2, verse 18, he talks about your boss. What he actually says is slaves obey your masters, but in that culture, that was the same as today. Workers obey your boss. So your, your employer. Then in verse chapter 3, verse 1, he talks about leadership in the family. Obey the authority in the family. And in chapter 5, verse 5, he talks about obey the, the elders in your church, the authority in the church. So here's the deal. The way that you and I respond to earthly authority is the way that we respond to God's authority. You can't separate those except when they come in direct conflict. The line that I hear so often and have heard so often over the years as a pastor, well, Jesus is my only authority is not biblical, it's not godly, and it's not right. Jesus is my highest authority, is absolutely right. But if we cannot submit to human authority which we can see, we are deceived if we think we can submit to God's authority whom we can't see. Because it's easy to just say, oh yeah, I obey God all the time. Well, what does that look like? How do you know you're not shaping God in your own image, in your mind, so that you're obeying what you already wanted to do anyways? Right? Like if we can't obey human authority, are we really obeying God's authority? 
The way that we learn to obey Jesus is by learning to obey earthly authority. That's why God puts a big emphasis on the fifth commandment in Scripture. Honor your father and your mother. That your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God has given you. And he goes on like it's the longest discussion of any of the commandments that God gives. Why? Our kids didn't always like our rules. Isn't that shocking? Anybody else find that? Right? Our kids didn't always like our rules. But we would tell our kids, our job as parents isn't to be your best buddy. Our job is to help you learn how to obey God by obeying us. Right? So one complication to all of this is that we live in a democracy. It's a little, it throws a, a curveball, it throws a wrench in all of this, right? We live in a democracy. Our voice actually matters. And we have a right and an obligation through democratic means to speak to the moral condition of our nation. We do. Not only do we have a right to vote, but we have a right to write letters to our MLAs, our MPs, our senators, our prime minister. I actually wrote a letter this week to every senator in the Canadian Senate. Um, I have some concern with two bills that just passed through the House of Commons, Bill C-10 and Bill C-6. You can look them up later if you don't know what those are about. Um, and I wrote the letters because I have, in this democratic society, um, to, to do so, to write to the senators and say, I don't agree with what's happening. I, don't, I want you to rethink you know, what's going on here. Is not only, it's, it's not rebellion, it's not disobedience, it's not sedition, it's part of the democratic process and the part of the conversation. Right? And I hope that you make use of that opportunity and you write letters and you do something about it through the democratic process. But if those bills that I wrote letters about become laws in Canada, I have to do my best to follow them up to the point where they may cause me to make a choice of allegiance between Jesus or the government. Does that make sense? So, so what if, what if government gets so messed up and they start doing some crazy stuff and there, folks, there will come a day in this world, even in the West, where we will be called to make decisions of allegiance between Jesus and government. Between Jesus and... We're already making decisions between Jesus and culture. But we will be put in positions where we have to choose, am I going to obey God or people? Right? 
And we don't have time to read the story today, but in Daniel chapter 6, most of you are familiar with this story. You probably heard it a gazillion times if you went to Sunday school. But I'm going to summarize. Daniel, um, Daniel says that he prayed regularly three times a day. And he had some enemies in the government. Dan, Daniel was in a high place in, in, in political leadership in the Babylonian government. A, a godless, evil government. But Daniel, as a follower of Yahweh, a follower of God, was given a high place of importance. And he was, a, he was faithful to the Lord, prayed regularly, and his enemies knew it. And so they came up with a scheme to get Daniel in trouble. And they went to the to the king at the time, King Darius or Darius, and, and they said, O king, you are so wonderful. No one should, work to, should pray to anyone except for you for the next month. And, uh, and the king says, oh, I like that, right? So he, put, he, he goes along with it, not knowing the scheme they have, and he puts it in place. And then when they find Daniel praying, and he didn't he didn't hide in a corner. He prayed out an open window, the Scripture tells us. He didn't change his pattern. He just did. He knew he'd get in trouble, but he just did what he knew he needed to do, and he prayed to God, the living God. And then they went and reported him, and D Darius the king had signed a law that said if anybody prays to anyone other than the king, over the next month they will be thrown into a den of lions, hungry ravenous lions and so Daniel gets caught his friend or not friends his enemies rat him out and the king says he really likes Daniel but he's like sorry Daniel got to do this it's in the law and throws him into the lion's den but says may your God preserve you and God does right a miracle happens the lions they're ravenous they're hungry but they don't eat Daniel um no, no Daniel kebabs that day. So, um, so then Darius comes first thing in the morning. He wants to know, did your God save you? And, and Daniel says, yes, I'm in here. And he pulls him out. And the other guys, the evil guys that had the plot, they get thrown in. Before they even hit the ground, it says the lions were consuming them. It's the story. So in this story... What happens? If you, read the, if you read the passage, you'll notice Daniel doesn't rage against the law. He doesn't say, this is so unfair. These guys are lying to you. They tricked you. He doesn't rage against the law. He just, he has to make a choice in his heart. Am I going to follow God or obey this law? And if I disobey the law to obey God, I am ready to take the consequences. Right? Um, and, and so like Peter and Paul, who, who obey the, the emperor, who tell us to obey the emperor, but on that day when they're given the choice, they say, I must obey God rather than you, Emperor. And, all th and, and Peter and Paul were ready to pay the price and they did pay the price for that. 
Our allegiance, our first allegiance, is to Jesus. He is our highest authority. And true followers of Christ would rather die than betray their allegiance to Jesus. But part of our allegiance is to honor the human authority that God has put over us in government, in workplace, in family, and in church. And even when we don't agree with them, even when we don't agree with those authorities in our lives, until our allegiance to Jesus is at risk, God calls us to walk in obedience as part of our obedience to Him. But when the day comes when we need to choose to disobey an authority to obey God, I think Scripture would show us we don't stage a rebellion. We don't rage against the machine. We simply personally walk in obedience and do what we know God has called us to do and be willing and ready to take the consequences. Because that authority will stand before God and give an account, as will we. And learning obedience is part of our transformation. It's part of how we are becoming the people God has called us to become. Let's stand. I know this has been a, a very different kind of message. Again, some of you might not, might not be happy. But let's talk. If you, uh, if you have questions, I'd love to hear them. love to have a dialogue with you. It's been a different message. Um, but I think it helps us understand what the Bible says about living in this world, but not being from this world. Right? Um, but I think it would be appropriate as we end the message and end our service today to pray for our government. Um, I do know that, we do know that uh, our, our provincial government and our federal government have, it's been, it, it, you know, it feels like a really tough year and a half for us. They, they've walked through some pretty stressful times too, I think, right? And they've made decisions, may have been good decisions, may have been terrible decisions, but they made decisions. And, uh, and we need to pray that God will give them wisdom to lead our country um, in a way that brings Him honor. And when they don't, it's God who will deal with them, not us. Right? Yeah. Let's pray. God, we thank You. Thank You for 
Thank you for this nation that we are privileged to live in. We know that this past week and over the past month, we have been, many of us have been wrestling through and working through some really painful realities about the history of our government and the history of our nation and the history of colonial action towards indigenous peoples in this nation. And it seems that as a nation, we are taking time to pause and reflect on the things that are beautiful about our nation, but also the things that are ugly and some of the things that are hidden and have been hidden that need to come to light. God, we have probably all kinds of varied opinions around this room and those who are joining us online about, about our, our government today. But for whatever reason you have chosen, you have, you have raised up these leaders for this moment. And we ask you, God, for your blessing upon our provincial government, for your wisdom, that God, you would align the hearts of our leaders with the purposes of heaven. We pray for, um, we pray for our federal government. And we pray, God, that you would uh, give great wisdom to those who are in places of authority. God, we understand that it is, a, it a, it is not a godly system. It is not a, um, uh, it, is, it, it may never reflect heaven to the extent we would hope it would. But God, we pray for godly heavenly wisdom to be poured out upon our leaders. We pray that you would do something fresh and new in our country as your people rise up and be the light and the salt that you have called us to be. And that as we navigate these challenging waters of living in this world and being in this world and yet having citizenship in heaven, that you would give us wisdom and grace and strength to do this well, and that God, the pagans who live around us, would see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven on the day you visit us. And we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Bauer, for sharing that message with us. And thank you, all of you, for